Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim vayet va'ele shemot b'nei Yisrael habaim mitzrayema et Yaakov ish v'yikra el Moshe v'yedaber Adonai elev me'ochel moed le'emor v'yedaber Adonai el Moshe b'midbar Sinai be'ochel ele Hadevarim asher debar Moshe el Vayar Elohim kitov Vayehi erev Vayehi bocher yom hashishi Vayehulo hashamayim v'haaretz v'kol tzvahan For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you believed Moses challenging words to the hearers of Yeshua's day. But what about today? Perhaps equally as challenging. As Christians and Messianic Jews alike often find the Torah of Moses difficult to penetrate, to follow, to understand, and apply. Following the traditional weekly Torah cycle, we'll consider each portion in light of Messianic faith, just as Yeshua said, for he wrote of me. So let's consider the heart of the Torah. Shalom, friends, and welcome to Messiah in Life. We continue our study of the weekly Torah portion. This week is the portion called Miketz. Miketz, which means at the end, at the end. I wonder if you have ever had an experience in life where it seemed as though over the course of time, having invested, having lived, having done, having prepared, having experienced setback, heartache, frustration, a little bit of joy, a little bit of breakthrough, it just seemed as though you weren't quite getting anywhere. It just seemed like you were stuck a little bit. I think we've all had those experiences at, at some point, and certainly to some degree. You can have that uh, when you are maybe stuck in some snow or stuck in some mud, and you're trying to move forward, and all of a sudden you catch just a little bit of traction, and you begin to move. Well, Joseph has experienced this to a great degree in his own life. Joseph is the central figure of, let's say, the last third of the book of Genesis. And in Joseph, or Yosef, he is really a typological figure of the Messiah. There's so much that we learn of the coming of the Messiah through Joseph, but that doesn't disqualify or set aside the hardship and the pain and the ordeal that Joseph went through. He was a real human being. He had a real traumatic experience. And when we uh, theologize, let's say, people's lives or history or pain, we can do ultimately a disservice to what the Lord was having them live through. So when we look back at the life of Joseph, particularly as Joseph is now preparing for something that he may not have imagined would ever happen. He's preparing to see his brothers once again. Something that, given the distance, given the years, maybe he imagined that that was something that simply would not happen. But as we know, it will. 
So let's pick up in the story of Joseph and Miketz at the end. I'll read from Genesis 41 and verse 1. We read, Vayahi Miketz shenatim yamim uparo cholem vachine omed al hayor. And it came to be at the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. The story of Joseph begins to change when Pharaoh has two dreams. Dreams that neither he nor the magicians of his court could interpret. And it's at this point that the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And he reveals Joseph to Pharaoh. And of course, Pharaoh immediately has him brought into his court. And at that moment, he is changed from a prisoner to someone presentable before the Pharaoh. So he is washed. He is clothed appropriately. He goes through this transformation, really what would seem like in the twinkling of an eye. And as the portion of Joseph's life unfolds, we see how the timing of the Lord works. We don't always see it when we're in the midst of the difficulty. But when we look back, we can see how the timing of the Lord works. It's, it wasn't two years earlier when the cupbearer was released from prison. At that time, he didn't reveal Joseph to Pharaoh. But at this time, this is the time when the Lord chose to release Joseph from a prison house in order to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. Joseph has been changed. He's not the same Joseph that entered Egypt. He's not the same Joseph that grew up with his brothers. He's had events that have irrevocably changed him in the past several years. From kidnapping to slavery to the prison house, ultimately to the release. As Pharaoh notes, not that it was Joseph who provided the answer, but the Spirit of God in Joseph that provides the answer for Pharaoh, that allows Pharaoh, or we would say causes Pharaoh, to set Joseph in this place of prominence. As Pharaoh says, Vayomer paro el avidav, chamimsa kazeish asher ruach Elohim bo. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find another like him, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? When we look at the name of the portion, and we consider its meaning, at the end, at the end, or it came to be, at the end, the rabbis connect this Language in Genesis 41 and verse 1 to Job 28 and verse 3, which reads, Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. The Hebrew in the first clause of Job 28.3 reads, Ketz sham lechoshek. He sets an end to darkness. But the rabbis don't read this as man. As we read, man puts an end to darkness. That's the usual reading, but 
The rabbis read it in this way, God sets an end to darkness. See, Joseph, as a 17-year-old, had fantastic dreams. But of course, he didn't realize as a young man what the price would be for those prophetic dreams to be realized. He is separated from his father, from his family. He's kidnapped. He's sold. He's bought and then wrongly imprisoned. And yet, all of this was according to the plan of the Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul encourages us in this way. Now, all of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Messiah and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we see this play out in the life of Joseph as well, this ministry of reconciliation. But it's difficult for us to understand. It's difficult. But everything that transpires in our lives happens according to the sovereign will of God. I can't explain it. You can't explain it. We do our best to understand it, to vocalize it, to put it in some meaningful way that perhaps we can relate to it in some way that the God who has loved us, the God who has created the heavens and the earth and all their array, that somehow he knows everything that has happened, will happen, and might have happened, or may yet happen. Joseph understood this through the wisdom and the pain of years. He was able to reflect on the twists and the turns of his life and see how the Lord used his life to bring him to that point when he says to his brothers, after the death of their father Jacob, what you planned for evil, God planned it for good. So the Lord took the plan of the brothers and worked it together for the good of not only Joseph, not only the brothers, but the entire known world, and not only for the entire known world of that time, but also for us who are reading this so many centuries removed. So as the portion unfolds, Joseph begins to rule the country he entered as a slave. And then he descends, of course, into a dungeon as the portion unfolds. He appears as an orphan. He's given a new name as he is adopted by this nation. He is blessed with a wife and children and ultimately he is reunited with his fathers, or with his father and his brothers. But I love that idea that the nation that he entered as a slave, he begins to rule. You could not have imagined that. That could not have been something that Joseph himself would have planned or been able to prepare for. His life was limited by the prison he was entering into. But Miketz, at the end, the Lord revealed his plan. The rabbis note that the Torah records eight instances where Joseph cries. Perhaps the most poignant of those moments is when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. In Genesis 45 and verse 3, he's no longer the adopted son of Egypt, but rather, as he says, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. At that moment, he is no longer the Egyptian leader, but the sold son, the chosen of his father, no longer an orphan. He had separated the Egyptian Joseph from the Hebrew Joseph, but no more. 
He reunites with his brother Benjamin. He kisses the brothers who sold him into slavery. And ultimately, he will see his father again. And we find in this that ministry of reconciliation that Paul references and how all of the things, not just a reconciliation between people, but a reconciliation, we might say, of all the loose ends in our lives. They all come to the point that God has ordained them. Joseph cried an ocean of tears, but at that appointed time, Joseph was resurrected. Joseph was renewed. He became Yosef ben Yaakov once again. He didn't have to hide himself. He didn't have to excuse himself. He was who God made him to be. So with that understanding, we can see how the dreams of Pharaoh manifested in a different light. We can see those dreams differently. Pharaoh's dreams did not prompt Joseph's release. But as the Torah notes, the time of Joseph's release was at hand. And that timing prompted the dreams. This was when Pharaoh was prompted to have the dreams that would disturb him. So this understanding places the unfolding of events, the circumstances, even the history in the sovereign design of God. So in scripture, we find phrases that express this idea, and it came to be. Uh, we read in Psalm 139 and verse 16, or the time is fulfilled, Mark 1 and 15, and it came to pass, Luke 2 verse 1 and verse 15, and again, the time is at hand, Revelation 1 verse 3 or 22 and verse 10. See, the events described did not mark the time. Rather, the timing of God's unfolding plan marked the time. The time was at hand for God's plan to begin, which preceded the events that are detailed, either in the references I've just read or in the life of Joseph or even in our own individual lives today. Yes, he sees, he knows. And all of those things that seem to be keeping us from moving forward or enjoying the life that he has given to us or experiencing the fullness of the blessing that the Lord has prepared for us, all of the things that seem as though we are stuck in the mud, we might say, he has a purpose and a design for that. I think I, I can recount many times, one recently where I was delayed leaving the building, just by the congregational building at Messiah. Just by a few minutes, I was literally out the door, put my bag in the car and realized that I had to uh, run back in to get something. And I came back to the car and drove the same route that I drive every day. And just ahead of me, I saw where I would have been, perhaps not in the middle of it, but certainly close to it, as I saw a car that had literally just gone through a telephone pole. And I think I, if, if only a few seconds I had uh, earlier I had been there, perhaps I would have been in the middle of that. And you think of all of those instances where a slight delay 
a change in the moment, a turning of time that was unexpected, kept you from safety, kept you from harm, or or kept you in safety, I should say, kept you from harm, or even allowed for a door that was unexpected to open. I don't think Joseph ever expected the door of rulership to open the way that he imagined. Perhaps it was just that his father would die and that he would ascend and become the leader of his family. But the Lord had something more grand in mind. But the price that had to be paid to get to that moment when he said, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. Friends, when we go through this life, as we are faithing to him, as we are trusting in him, and we are moving in a direction uh, toward the promise of God, we have to hold on and not be dismissive and not feel as if God is not pleased with us. As I will say in a message this week, as the author of Hebrews tells us, it is impossible to please God without faith. But that tells us also that it is possible to please Him. And how so? Well, we could say in faith, but it's a little bit deeper than that because now that we are in Messiah by faith and regeneration and sharing in His resurrection to life, we are in Yeshua, in Jesus. And of course, as the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So never doubt the Lord's timing. It's difficult. I struggle with that myself. But we should never doubt His timing because He works all of these things together in a way that we cannot truly appreciate. But we trust Him even in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our difficulty. And we move forward even when we cannot see the next step that is before us. So friends, I hope and pray that this message was a blessing to you. Maybe you're going through something that you need to keep holding on for another season. I and no one else can tell you when that season will end. Only the Lord himself. But we trust and know that in fact, the seasons change and come to their conclusion according to his design and will. And in that we see the glory and the goodness of our Father in Heaven. So I thank you for listening and joining. It's such a blessing to be part of your life. And I hope and pray that no matter where you are today, you keep holding on to the hem of Messiah's garment, trusting in Him, and knowing that in Him you are well-pleasing to our Father in Heaven. So until next time, brothers and sisters, May the Lord bless and keep you all in the mighty name of Messiah, Jesus. Amen.